everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. How many, uh, many kind of grew up going to, uh, going to Sunday school? Did you ever go to, how many grew up going to Sunday school? We, uh, did you ever sing this song? I'll, I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do. I would say no based on the looks. Of, I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. The old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn. The new robe was spotless and never been worn. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. Has anybody ever heard that before? That's new? Oh, well, there you go. It's, uh, I, uh, that was a song. And now thinking about it, maybe it wasn't really a Sunday school song, but I remember that little course kind of growing up. And, and you know, it's funny. I, uh, as a kid, I remember that being sung, and I always heard the, the word road. Like, I didn't hear the word robe, I heard the word road. And of course, it's, it's, it's coming from this passage, right? The old self, like we take off the old self and put on the new self. And that image of, you know, Jesus kind of taking our tattered garments and putting something new on us. But I remember as a kid, I thought, a road? Why would you take off an, an old road? I mean, maybe we, it, maybe he's talking about Castle Street. <laughs> if you've ever wa- driven down Castle Street lately, take that off, put on something new. But I, uh, I remember, you know, just kind of growing up with that idea that God wants to take the old and he wants to give us something new in return. You know the heading of this uh, of this passage that uh, uh, that Kel read today in the in the, in the NIV it says living as children of light and uh, you know we just we just understand that those titles aren't we don't believe they're inspired they're this there to help us kind of uh, uh, navigate the scriptures. Paul was teaching the Ephesian church that they were a new creation in Christ that they had had their old taken off and that. Jesus had given them something new. And there are things in our lives that sometimes don't reflect this, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes we have to look at ourselves and say, boy, that's kind of looking like the old robe a little bit there. Uh, at least maybe, uh, uh, you know, at least that happens in my life <laughs> sometimes, right? And I think this passage, you know, boy, it could be written to us just as much as the Ephesian church and, of course, we really believe it is, ultimately, um, that the Holy Spirit can use that. And so I kind of want to think of us, uh, you know how, it's, how it is if you shine a light into a dark place, right? We have an image of a, you know, a, a person with a lantern kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, I, I have that image in my head if you go into a room with some critters in there, right? And you're like, I hear something, and, <laughs> and you shine the light, and there's maybe a scattering. But... The idea of that, that the scriptures, of course, we believe, are, are light in our life, uh, and they can shine lights into parts of our lives. And we can say, okay, you know, God wants to not, 
not to expose it necessarily, but God wants to do a work in us, right? You know, I've been even reminded this week that sometimes, uh, sometimes we have blind spots. Do you have blind spots? You know, have you ever kind of come along in life and, and you all of a sudden kind of are, come to the realization, you know what, I need, I need to work at this area of my life. I've never really thought about how uh, short I am with my coworkers, like when, how I talk to them. And God kind of works on that, and, uh, and he can help us. And so the first light that is shone is in Ephesians 4, verse 23. And this isn't, we could go many places in this passage, but this is one of, one of the lights we want to shine today. And it says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, or the new robe, or the new road, maybe, (laughs) created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And you know what? We understand that in, in Scripture and what God does for us, that God does stuff for us. And it's almost like, uh, I've heard it put this way, that he looks at us through a lens, the lens of his son. And you know that he has given us holiness and given us righteousness. But I also think he wants to practically get us to work on those things, because why would, why would Paul write about them, right? Why would Paul write about, which is the first one that we want to look at, our attitudes, our attitudes. And that's the first light that we would shine. How's your attitude about life <laughs> in general? Uh, get a new attitude. Sometimes that's, our, uh, that's what we got to do. You know, your attitude can make all the difference, right? You've experienced this. Those times when you met somebody who was facing a big challenge in life, but their attitude was so positive and encouraging and it lifted everyone else up around them, right? And then, of course, in the reverse, you've met someone that's maybe not really facing that big a deal. <laughs> and the earth is, oh, you know, the sky is falling and, and those kind of things. I think, we all, uh, I think we all know what a bad attitude looks like. And dare I say, I, a bad attitude, I think, comes more naturally to us, doesn't it, than a good attitude. It's, it's easy to have a bad attitude, to complain and just always see uh, the clouds. Uh, but this passage says, be made new. Be made new. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Your attitude affects your actions much more than your actions affect your attitude, I think. Your attitude affects your actions much more than your actions affect your attitude. So, so much of what we face in life, I think, isn't it? It's a battle for our mind. It's a battle for our mind. And you know what? I I hate to kind of break it to you, but I think we know this, that that battle never ends until we reach glory, as sometimes (laughs) has been said. It never ends, right? That there is always things that the enemy will kind of put in our path and be tempt us 
you know, boy, why don't you just, you know, as kind of you think of Job, curse God and die. All his, all his friends were just saying, why are you even following God? And that temptation is there. But no, may your attitudes be made new. And the Holy Spirit can help us that our very attitudes would be righteous and holy, as the Scripture says. So what would, what would that look like? What would that look like? Well, when Jesus saw they only had five loaves and two fish, what would you, how would you describe his attitude <laughs> towards that, right? He saw the possibility, not the limitations. He saw the possibility, not the limitations. When, when Paul and Silas were in chains in prison, can I admit that if I was Paul and Silas, I would be pretty depressed and down on myself. And, you know, why am I, why am I following God and he put me here? And, you know, I think I'd have to admit that, that might be where I'd be. But do you remember the picture that we have of them singing and praising the Lord while they were sitting in chains? Uh, they didn't see their incarceration but an opportunity to share the love of Christ with a captive audience. What a blessing <laughs> it was, you might have thought. Do your, do, you, do your attitudes reflect the character of God? Paul wouldn't have encouraged the, the Ephesians to be made new in the attitude of our mind, our thoughts, if it wasn't possible Paul shines the second light. I suppose I could have had a flashlight to shine in all your eyes, right? To remind us, right? Uh, he shines that second light in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And this isn't, this isn't rocket science. Number two, speak truthfully, right? Speak truthfully. But it's interesting that the reason given in this passage for speaking truthfully is for we are all members of one body, right? When you think about it, it's interesting that he talks about that in this place. We are all members of one body. We've learned in previous weeks how important unity is in the body of Christ. And that unity is some, it, it's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. And it's, he gives it to us, and we, and we endeavor to live into it as he works in us. When we, when we lie to one another, which, of course, is the opposite of truth, when, when we lie to one another, it sends a message that we are not one. That we are not one, doesn't it? You think of, I think of that song, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, right? And it's true. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, I wonder if this passage would write a new verse. We show our dysfunction by our lies, by our lies. They'll know our dysfunction by our lies. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it means hard conversations, right? Sometimes it means, you know what? I, I need to talk to you. I think we know how to apply that. It's just doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So the next, the next illumination we find 
in verse 26. Verse 26 and 27, and it says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. You know, you think of that idea of a foothold, and it's, it's, a, it's a scary word because a foothold means they're in and he wants more, right? When we think of a foothold, if you think of a, you know, a military strategy, right? They, they, sometimes they'll try to get this place because it gives them a foothold, and then they, so they can just keep that and have a nice time on, you know, that, uh, um, you know, I, we, were just, uh, we were just near the St. Lawrence. And, uh, you know, there was the War of 1812 and those kind of things. And there was places where they would try to take a certain place or a fort. Why? So they could just say, we have this nice fort. No, because they wanted to go further, right? We don't want the enemy to have a foothold. And this is a big one. We need to deal with our anger. Deal with your anger. Even in that opening line, there is an acknowledgement that anger in itself is not sin, right? It's not a sin to be angry. I mean, we saw Jesus display what we call righteous anger, right? And boy, it, uh, if, you know, if anyone thinks that Jesus was a wimp, read the passage where he kicks out the moneylenders <laughs> from the temple. It says in one account that he used a whip. <laughs> to get them out of the temple. He was had a righteous anger that led him to that, that they were not honoring uh, the Lord's house. It's a crazy story. But we also know that anger, anger can be a doorway to sin, can't it? It can. And, and this is serious because unresolved anger can be the way the devil can, can take control of your house when it's unresolved. And it's how he gets a foot in the door. And what happens when we don't deal with it? Well, I bet you've done this uh, or at least experienced it. Have you ever experienced when you bumped someone, maybe literally, but in, in just in life, when maybe, you know, you, uh, you ran into them and, and they dropped something. Or you, you said something and, and, and they bit your head off. <laughs> have you ever had that happen? Right? And I would admit, boy, there's times when I have vented towards someone that didn't deserve it at all. Not that anyone deserves venting. But you know what I mean? Spent up anger. If we don't deal with it, it's like it just keeps building. And there's a building and the pressure and pressure and pressure and then it's going to it's going to come out there has been obviously anger built up in a person's life when it comes out in that way so what do you do what do you do with anger right whatever it is and usually of course there's a reason for the anger sometimes there's there's uh you know there's some of us that have a little bit of a of if I could call it an anger gene, <laughs> right? We have a little propensity to get angry too much. And we need to surrender that to the Lord. Maybe we need help. Maybe we need accountability. We need to 
talk out the issue, right? Is there something that's making you angry? Well, we know that doing nothing, why do we think something will happen if we do nothing about it, right? So we need to maybe talk out the issue. Maybe we need to call a trusted friend that, that we can trust, that will not just use this as an opportunity to gossip, but will, will love you and listen and maybe give some good, good advice. You know, I think it's important to think about letting off steam, right? Sometimes, depending on the issue and the anger, right, maybe it needs, you, you need to go for a walk or a run or get out there, right? Get, to, get away from it for just a little while and clear your head because in your anger, do not sin, right? If you don't let that pressure valve out somehow, it could cause you to sin. If there is, if there's something constructive that can be done, then do it, <laughs> right? Just do it. Talk to someone. And of course, we can talk to God. We can pray for wisdom. We need to deal with, with our anger because it can lead to sin. And so Paul shines this light on our attitudes, <clears throat> on being truthful, on our anger. And we come to verse 28, and it says this. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. I titled this kind of shining the light as work to give to give. You know, it is a, a strange but beautiful thing that, uh, that happens when we think about helping others, th- those in need. Those who have been in need in the past are most apt to be generous towards people that need help today. Have you ever, have you ever seen that before? You know, I remember, uh, I remember doing this a little bit, but I've heard this kind of, kind of thing over and over that, you know, there'll be a group that uh, maybe some students that they'll go around collecting for the food bank. Well, who are the most generous? Is it the houses that so obviously can afford to give? Almost universally, no. (laughs) It's those that maybe they don't think they would give very much. And they're the ones that are generous because they know what it's like to be in need. You know, Scripture speaks a lot about helping those in need. And, you know, there is even a sense, just as we look around the world, but even in Scripture, that will never go away. There will always be people in need that we need to help. But we help get people back on their feet so they don't become dependent, right? There's, isn't there kind of a picture here of, of we don't want dependency, but we want to be there when there is help needed. But it's a reminder for each of us who, who at times can get weary or cynical about the needs of others, that we work not just to support ourselves, but it says we work so that we will have something to share. Right? It doesn't say we work so we won't need help anymore. It says we work so we have something to share. You know, we have little reminders of this all the time. We try to remind ourselves when we even give our offering that all we have is the Lord's and we're just stewards of it, right? And so he's given it to us 
not just for ourselves, but to share. So I think for the Christian, we, we ask some questions of ourselves. Why do we take sometimes? Why do we work? Why do we give? And there are solid answers in Scripture for those questions. And do the answers line up when we look at ourselves? Do they line up with the heart of Christ and the teaching of Scripture? I dare, I dare say the next light, if we can keep going, the next light might step, step on our toes. Because I've never really met anyone that has not at times struggled with this a little bit. And it starts in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That it may benefit those who listen. Who hasn't struggled sometimes <laughs> with their tongue, right? Have you ever said something and you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back, right? Um, I, heard a, I heard an illustration Recently, you probably heard this, and this, uh, if I have the, the details right, this father gave his children a pillow with feathers in it. And he says, I want you to go up to the roof and cut a hole in that pillow and just kind of wave it around and watch all the feathers go. And so they did that. That'd be exciting, right, For wouldn't it? Um, and they came back to their father, and the father said, now I want you to go and get those feathers. Really, almost impossible. You know, it would take a long time, even if you ever could. And he said, that's what it's like, your words. You can't get them back. <laughs> you can't get them back, especially when they're not building others up. They spread, right? They spread and they go. And that's why I think Scripture speaks about how important it is to look at what we say. Use your words to build up not tear down. You know, you know that little rhyme, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. There perhaps has been no greater lie spread, <laughs> right? Words can hurt way worse than sticks and stones, right? You know, I've always tried to, and sometimes I succeed. <laughs> sometimes I don't. I would confess that. But I've always tried to think about would I say this if that person was standing here with me, right? Because we have to kind of build some things in to help us retrain our brain because gossip is destructive, isn't it? Now, gossip, I, 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 uh, someday we'll probably dive into this <laughs> specifically, but I think gossip isn't just talking about people, but it's talking destructively about people, right? There are things that I have had to admit, you know, I think of just, I think of just, you know, uh, I'm not, I think I might've shared this last week. I'm not good at remembering stories. Are you good at remembering stories or jokes or things like that? And so when I remember one, I usually tell it a lot <laughs> and and sometimes there have been stories about people that really, I need to step back and say, yeah, that story's true. Yeah, it's funny. But it also kind of tears them down a little bit. And I need to stop doing that. I need to stop sharing that. So it's a good story. 
If they want to tell it, they tell it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And you build in some of those guards in your life. Words can hurt. Some of you have experienced some horrible words by those who should have known better. You're not good enough, or, I, or even I wish you weren't born, or I hate you. That can sting as much years later as they did when they were said. And I would pray as we talk about this, I pray you'd receive the, God's healing for those things because Scripture doesn't say that about you. It says you are loved, you are valuable, you have a purpose. And so sometimes there needs to be healing that we receive from those things. But the reality is the destructive nature of our words can be, can be very subtle. They might not be big like I hate to or things like that. You know, a few, a few weeks ago, we talked about how uh, if you're working at something in your life or in our church, we, th- we thought of chopping that tree down, right? And sometimes we might think of this huge tree, and if every day we just kind of made a little chop, the progress, eventually that tree will fall. Well, unfortunately, it works in reverse as well, in negative things, right? Sometimes just a little word that might be, a, it might be innocent, but it's like it's a little chop, <laughs> right? And boy, next time we, we just say that little thing that casts doubt about trusting that person. And all of a sudden, somebody else has a little doubt in their mind. Well, I don't know about and chop, chop. Even a simple word of negativity or being consistently over, overly critical can tear down another person. And you know what it's like. It's not, it's so easy to get in a rot in this area. You might not even realize how our words can hurt sometimes. So what can we do? What can we do? With the Holy Spirit's help and guidance, we don't do it alone. I think it's right, I think it's right there in this verse. When it says helping, uh, it says say what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Before you speak, you need to listen. How can you say something that benefits another person if you have no idea where they're coming from? So first, I think we need to listen. We need to purposely replace words that sometimes tear down with words of encouragement and affirmation that build, that build up. Because you have to replace it, because if you don't replace it, there's a void there, and you'll get sucked back in, <laughs> right? And so when you're tempted to maybe say something that, you know, you'd have to admit isn't huge. It's not like, boy, I set out to slander them today. No, it's just, just not quite on the right direction. Why not turn it around and say, boy, you know, we, we just, oh, we, we just love them, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. I think you can... Find the words. Replace it with words that lift up and encourage, that are full of gratitude. I think your, your mom's words are wise. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. And I'd add, if you can't think of anything good to say, you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> right? There's always something you can say that builds up. It doesn't mean we ignore things. Don't get, you know, don't take this way over here. It doesn't mean we don't address some things sometimes. But are we doing it in a way that's building up? 
It doesn't come naturally. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit works in the supernatural, and he can help us. So the last light that we want to shine today is in verse 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let go and forgive. Let go and forgive. I don't think... I don't think there's anything that will destroy you and rob your joy more than unforgiveness. What do, we all, what do all these things have in common that were listed here? Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. They're all a result of being hurt, aren't they? Right? You don't usually want to turn around and slander somebody if if they've been kind to you, right? You've been hurt. But it says to get rid of them. They, they have no place in the life of a believer and a follower of Jesus. And I think this is one of those scriptures that, that we can miss the point if we start making a rule about it, right? Now, hear, hear me here, because sometimes we read this and say, look there, we should never be bitter. We should never have those things in our life. And we kind of make it a rule to check off. And I wonder if the heart of the Father is saying, this is going to destroy you. Would you get rid of these things? It's not about following some rule. It's about, would you follow my ways? Because my ways are better. They're better. They're going to restore your joy. I think it's a statement of love. Get rid of these things. They're no good. Be kind. I think of the verse that says, do good to those who do evil, right? And that, if there's anything that doesn't come naturally, I don't think that comes naturally. But that is the way of Christ, to be compassionate to one another. When we step back and let God work on our hearts, in many cases we will see the hurt that may, that may have caused the action that hurt us. And it can turn to compassion, Right, I've seen this. I suspect as you have, have watched perhaps those that have even some of those very difficult things, that there has been abuse, that there has come a place in that victim's life where they turn to compassion and say, wow, I can't believe the place that my abuser got into that they did this. And they, and they, they can turn to compassion for them and to pray for them. And that's a journey, you know, I can tell that sometimes that's like, yeah, you don't know. <laughs> well, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. When we forgive one another, it's not because they deserve it, right? And I think we need to be reminded of that all the time. Jesus didn't forgive us because we deserved it. He forgave us. Because of his love for us. You know, you've probably heard, I think I've used that phrase or, or, or that statement that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Right? Unforgiveness is toxic for your life. It's toxic for 
your life, but it's toxic for your spiritual life especially. So, a simple question. As this, the word shines a light. And you'd have to admit, boy, I am pretty bitter, right? If I were to say this certain word or this certain name, it just wells up. God doesn't want us to live there. He doesn't want us to live there. And it's not about what they did. It's about us being free. And so the word shines a light and says, are you following my ways? Because I want freedom for you. Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to do to let go? Can I, you know, some of you have heard these kind of things before, but we are reminded again today, right, to, to maybe the person you need to forgive is no longer living. Well, you know what? God can, God can handle that, <laughs> right, as we take it to him. Maybe there's something physical that you could do, that you could write out your grievances. And, you know, I've heard people that will burn them as a symbolic and say, God, I've got to give it. You've got to give it to you because God doesn't want you to carry that. He wants to lift your burden. So what do you need to do to let go? If the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart today, we begin by acknowledging our need and asking for help. Healing and change are possible. They really are. Today. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.